0: Believe in yourself. Even if you see many obstacles in front of you, you can go through those obstacles if you really believe in you. If you are convinced that that's what you want to do, if you want to go that path, you have to work very hard because it's not going to be given to you.
1: Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnick. Our interview here is with Carmen Romero. She was formerly NATO Deputy Spokeswoman and Head of Press and Media for 10 years. Now, she is the NATO Deputy Assistant Secretary General for Public Diplomacy. Welcome, Carmen. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to your program. Can you tell us a little bit about your own career path? How did you arrive here at NATO? Well, I arrived here as a kind of surprise to myself
0: because I was a correspondent, I was a journalist, and I was based in Brussels as a foreign correspondent and I was following NATO affairs and European Union foreign policy and defense policy. And there was a vacancy, um, there was a secretary general who left, and then the new team was looking for a NATO spokesperson and a deputy spokesperson. So, Someone from NATO who knew me as a journalist covering NATO issues on a regular basis approached me and told me, why don't you apply? And I said, well, I'm not a native person, I'm not an American, I'm not an English, so I have a very strong accent when I speak English. So I think that's going to be very difficult. And I was encouraged to to really go for the job. And at a certain point, having been a foreign correspondent for 15 years, I was a war correspondent I was deployed to Chechnya, I was deployed to Moscow, I was deployed to Iraq, to Afghanistan. I said, I have learned almost all things you can do as a foreign correspondent. Why don't I look for another challenge? And then I decided to apply, to apply to the position of NATO deputy spokesperson, as you said, and head of the present media section. And it was very interesting because when I applied, I I didn't know I was pregnant. And then I happened, since the process of recruitment is very uh, long and takes time. By the time I got to the pre-selection process, I, 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 I knew that I, was, uh, that I was pregnant, I was expecting a baby. And uh, so I went through all the recruitment process, and the last test I had to do was an interview with the NATO Secretary General. The NATO Secretary General at that time, Jab de Hobschefer, interviewed two candidates who were pre-selected, uh, James Apathuray, who became the NATO spokesperson, and he interviewed me too. And I came to the interview knowing and being genuinely convinced that I was not going to get the job and not because I was not qualified because I was convinced that I was really qualified but it was going to be something strange to get a job being pregnant and uh, and basically joining the organization uh, almost at the same time as as getting the baby. So I was very frank in my interview it was a one-on-one interview with uh, Jab de Hobshofer and um, I told him that I was pregnant and I told him that I would be very well organized if I were to get the job. I would be very well organized at home in order to be able to travel, go around and do my job uh, properly and, and as, as, as a communications professional. So this happened uh, almost 12 years ago. And uh, since then, I became a mother of a second child. So also being doing a very hardship uh, job in this organization because, as you can imagine, as a spokesperson, also leading a very demanding team um, of press officers, I was under strain all the time. And I have been um, serving three secretary generals. I serve Jab de Hobschefer. I serve also Anders Vogt Rasmussen. And I serve also Jens Stoltenberg as uh, a very close communications advisor for, for 12 years and I'm, I really feel very privileged uh, of having been able to do that. I also feel um, very happy with the fact that I'm someone who comes from Spain So I come from southern Europe and I have been working very closely and really with having a very close connection with three secretary journalists who come from the north, from northern Europe. And it has worked so well and the dynamics have been so positive in a position where you have to be very honest, advising your boss on what to say and not to say in public
1: and um, doing that on a daily basis. Was it a big change going from working so dynamically in the field and then coming to a more bureaucratic institution?
0: Well, that was one of the um, of the concerns that um, the NATO spokesperson had when he interviewed me. So James Abathuray, who then became the new NATO spokesperson, had an interview with me, and he asked me, Carmen, you are going to be so bored, you know, because you have been a work correspondent. You have been here, you are going to do 80% of management, and then you are going to do 20% of talking to the media. And, you know... I told him, I know that I will not be bored, I know that I will enjoy this job from day one, otherwise I would not go for it. And I have to tell you that loving as much as I did, being a, a reporter working for a news agency, I didn't miss it a single day, because this job as the deputy spokesperson was so And what really helped me at the beginning was the fact that I knew the journalists very well. So I knew if I do make a mistake, but I have to avoid doing a mistake, they will understand. I will be able to talk to them because they know me. But you know that you have that for a few months and then it's gone. And then you really have to be ready to talk, face the media, be very frank, very honest with journalists and it's very very important that you have a very strong relationship of trust and that's not easy to move from one side to another so there was so much to do that I really didn't feel this job has been bureaucratic at all. So this being a spokesperson in an international organization, in an intergovernmental organization, I can tell you it's not boring. And I was working an average of 13 hours a day, <laughs> working on weekends all the time, not stop. I, I don't know why, but most of the crisis happened on weekends. So, um, so it wasn't boring at all. And what was good is that I really felt privileged every single day.
1: I'm going to ask for your advice on behalf of kind of two different audiences. First, young mothers who are starting families of their own. What advice do you have for them in terms of, you know, continuing with their career and also having children? Well, it's not easy. It's very hard because you have to, um,
0: to do everything you can to be a great professional. To show that to your team, if you are leading a team, you cannot afford to uh, to be weak. You have to be strong and you have to encourage them and motivate them every day. So you have to be at the same time a good mother and you will do everything to also be a good partner. So therefore, you have to work very hard to try to find your right balance. My advice is if you are convinced that this is the right job for uh, for you, please do everything to be uh, in a position to do it right and get all the help you need at home. This is what I did, you know. Get help. It also helps a lot if you have a partner who contributes to share the uh, the family efforts. And I have been very lucky because my husband is, is really taking care of almost all the logistics at home, dealing with the children. But you pay a price at the same time because you will be seeing your children less. So you need to know that there is a price that you will have to pay and that you also forget about yourself sometimes. And at a certain point, you need to think about your own role as a person. What is it that you also need to do for yourself? So you have to really think it through, not rush, and try to get the right balance with the right support at home.
1: And now, advice for young women who already understand that they want to go into international affairs, they know that that is the arena in which they're going to create change, but perhaps uh, feel stuck or need some motivation along the way, what would you say to your younger self?
0: Um, be, yeah. be, be uh, Believe in yourself. And uh, Don, even if you see many obstacles in front of you, you can go through those obstacles if you really believe in you if you are convinced that that's what you want to do if you want to go that path you have to work very hard because it's not going to be given to you so that's the first part work hard every day and then Think big in the sense that even if you come from a small village, from a country that is really far away, you can be given the same opportunities as I was given. I come from Spain and I was very lucky because I was born in Switzerland, so I grew up in an international environment. But, as I told you at the beginning, I was not a native, and I'm not a native speaker. So to work in an organization where English is the primary language, it's, um, it's better if you are a native. It's, everything is easier. And I really believed in me. I was convinced that when I applied to the two jobs that I have applied to in this organization, that I was the best to do this job, the best qualified. And I have always worked hard and trusted myself. And that's what I would advise young women to do,
1: and young men. (laughs) Tell us about working in public diplomacy. What's the biggest challenge of your job, and would you encourage young diplomats to work in that sector?
0: I would encourage everybody to work in public diplomacy because whatever job you do has a public diplomacy angle. Because if you work for an organization to present to the outside world, What you do, it's part of your job. And it's, um, I don't see public diplomacy as a challenge at all. I don't see my job as a challenge, but as an opportunity, as an opportunity to explain to our citizens, to the ones who pay taxes, but also the younger generation who maybe don't yet pay taxes, on what NATO stands for. And this um, this is very important because, especially with the young generations, they don't know NATO very well. And there is so much work to be done to explain to to different audiences what NATO is all about and how important this organization is for our own security and how we should not take our security for granted. And therefore, it's very important to invest in our security. And how important it is to, to, to be an alliance based on solidarity where it's one for all and all for one and where we are also working to project stability in our neighborhood, because if our neighbors are more secure, we are also more stable. So it's a great opportunity to do public diplomacy, to increase the awareness of what this great organization is all about, keeping in mind that there are many misunderstandings and that everybody should have the right, of course, to have their own opinion, but based on facts and based on the information that we are able to provide to them. So for me, this
1: is really a a great job that I enjoy every day. Carmen, any other stories that you'd like to share from your own career? Especially, have you seen in your work the impact that women can have in changing international policies.
0: Absolutely. Especially in an organization such as NATO, it's very important to have female voices. Because, as I was telling you, there is so much misunderstanding on what NATO is about and what NATO is not about. And many people see NATO as a US-driven organization, a military organization, not a political military organization, which is what we are. And to see women in senior positions, working in this organization, and speaking and reaching out to publics is very important. And to show to them how much women contribute to security is really fascinating. So, And we see the process is very slow, but we see more and more women joining senior positions in this alliance, and I think that there is point of no return. I mean, we won't be able to stop it. For example, if you take the public diplomacy division, more than half of our colleagues, of our staffs, are women. Women speaking out in public. So that's very important, to have a face of a woman, but also explaining how women are contributing to our security. And we have a very good special envoy on women in security who is doing a great job. And this secretary general appointed her. And, uh, and this is going to help us all increase the awareness, both in NATO countries, to our home audiences, but also in our partner countries, on how much NATO is doing to integrate women in the security, in the military forces, and overall in the defense and security structures, because they really have a lot to contribute.